Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan. And hey, everybody. I'm Mark Schenk. And I'm very excited because on our podcast today, we've got one of our great friends and uh, long term partners, Indranil Chakraborty. Everyone calls him IC. And uh, I remember when I first met IC back in 2012 in uh, just outside in Gagaon, just outside of uh, Delhi. Um, yes, he made my life very simple when he said, just call me IC. Now, yeah, welcome, um, IC. Yeah. Thanks, so, thanks for having me. So, by way of introduction, so I see he's based in Mumbai. Um, he's one of Asia's leading business storytelling experts. He's the author of Stories at Work, a best-selling uh, book, which is uh, strongly recommend that uh, that you read. And I guess from from our perspective, he's kind of one of the most experienced deliverers of our programs. He's delivered over a hundred of the Storytelling for Leaders program. And I remember we had a little celebration in Sydney last year. And how was that wine, by the way? Oh, it was fantastic. Fantastic. Ah, very nice. I, I always, you know, anything that comes in a wooden box, going to be okay. <laughs> except um, the last one. Sorry? Except, I said, except the last wooden box you get fixed. Oh, yeah. So the last wooden <laughs> oh, box you don't, it's yeah, not so great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is definitely, <laughs> definitely not so great. And uh, I see he's also one of our uh, master practitioners, master partners. So uh, he's one of the very few people around the world who, trains other people to deliver the storytelling for leaders program and so welcome to the show thanks Mark. thanks john yeah it's great it's gonna i'm looking forward to this i see because we're going to get to uh, have a good conversation about values and and the relationship between story and values and and you know this is all part of the series that we're doing at the moment around our corporate storytelling paper uh, and one of the sections you know we have 14 different topics and one of them is how to use story to embed and amplify and and uh you know really bring to life i suppose uh, the values in an organization but before we get started on that i'm just it'd be great to just get a bit of a sense of how you're seeing the storytelling world from from india's perspective at the moment what what's happening there and and you know especially 2020 being the crazy year that it's been um, how that's all played out for you? So I think a couple of things have happened. Uh, one is, of course, a big myth has got shattered in my head. Um, and I'll talk a bit about that. Uh, the other is, I think, while impactful communication has always been very important in this new world where uh, everyone is uh, behind the screen most of the time, uh, trying to connect and, and engage uh, through a medium which is very alien, if you look at it uh, in the way we've worked all this time, uh, the ability to connect and hence storytelling has just shot up. You know, that requirement has just shot up. So I think it's become even more relevant than it was uh, pre-COVID. Yeah. And, uh, and the myth that's got shattered is while I had run one global program, 100% uh, virtual, uh, if you had asked me in February, um, I would have said, no, 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 it's always better to get people in a room, we'll get their attention, we'll go through two days of, uh, you know, telling them, and then we'll coach them after that. Um, today, I think even post, uh, we are able to get back to a room, um, I would want to bring in a lot of what has happened 
uh, with the online delivery, uh, which allows us to do many things. One is chunking of information uh, over a period of time rather than you know, give it all together. We're not teaching rocket science, but it's still new, new information. Yeah. And yeah. it's sort of all coming for eight hours, you know, chunk it up. And then the other thing that we do now, which is uh, do individual training between those information delivery, if you like, has completely changed the level of fluency that the leaders have when they're exiting the first phase of the program. Uh, and so that's, that's a big myth, uh, very nicely shattered in my head. Yeah, I know. I think we've all gone through that same uh, revelation, haven't we, in, in the sense of uh, having a bit of a downer on online and then realizing that it actually, actually works pretty well. <laughs> it does. So that's, uh, that's, a good, that's a good lesson for us to learn. Um, now, I know Mark's, Mark's been certainly, you know, totally, you know, embedded in that, that, that world we all have in different ways. But I know, Mark, have you, what, what would you say is your, the sort of main change that you've seen, you know, for people to be able to use this online approach? Is there any particular lesson or, or observation you've, you've take away from it? Oh, I think one of them, uh, echoing what IC said, We've got so many, there's so many options when you are delivering online. It gives you a whole range of new options, ways to engage in the workshop, uh, opportunities for that personal coaching, the bridging activities, which just, just those moments where people get that coaching and they go, and they send back that note and they go, it's almost like you know my organization better than I do. And they, and, and they see it, right? And, and, and they go from, kind of struggling to that breakthrough moment that's the thing i love is every you get everybody to that point yeah yeah it is good isn't it hey i see how did i know we know the answer to this but our our listeners would love to know this right and that is you know how does how does someone get into storytelling from you know your background in marketing uh you know working for a large uh, corporation how does one then start a, a storytelling business in india yeah, I'm, I'm going to make that more complex by saying, how does someone who studied computer science engineering ah. and, and then sold soaps <laughs> um, get into storytelling? Because after all, um, you know, the way you become an engineer in this country is you are identified left brain uh, through school and in science and then engineering and stuff like that. Um, and it's interesting because uh, it really is on the topic that we're going to be talking about today. So in what became my final corporate role, I was in this uh, timeshare company uh, where we were rejigging everything, you know, uh, rejigging the entire organization structure. Uh, in fact, we changed the head office from a different city. So it was almost, you know, starting anew. And so we had uh, created this uh, credo of how we would live uh, and why would we come to work every day? I have always been a, a big skeptic on vision and mission kind of things. Uh, because most of them sound like scoreboards to me. You know, we must become X by Y. Yeah. Um, and so we, uh, the credit we had put together was uh, that we want to make every moment magical. Yeah. So making every moment magical was why we came to work. Now, on paper at the start, it looked like a fantastic thing because it ticked the usual boxes. It was inspirational. It was measurable. It worked for the CEO. It worked for the janitor. Uh, the next thing was how do you get people to deliver magical moments? You need to put guidelines. Uh, and uh, as soon as I said that, the HR person rightly said, but that's values. Yeah. 
And uh, I said, oh my God, that's, that's, you mean the poster on the conference room wall? Yeah, yeah tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a little um, bit cynical so, about that, were you, I see? Yeah, I was, I was, because, you know, I'm, even in, in one of the biggest multinationals, one of the older multinationals that I've worked in, where the words hadn't changed over 40 years, uh, I know that uh, after working in that company for more than 14 years, if you really asked me what each of that meant, uh, would I be able to ver uh, verbalize it very similar to the next guy? I doubted it. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, and I'd seen many organizations, including the group I was part of, give out uh, little pocket cards. Yeah. Now, if you have to have a pocket card to figure out what your values are, then clearly it's a stretch. Uh, anyway, coming back, so the values we had was like many other companies, you know, integrity, respect, uh, etc., customer service. Uh, but the point uh, in my mind was those were actually no longer winning values. They're almost like table stakes. Yeah? Uh, you can't differentiate a company because you, are, you pay more respect to individual or you're more honest. Yeah? Uh, and so we took all those and put it into a new page we call the code of conduct. Yeah? Uh, and in that blank paper, we put down guidelines for behavior, if you like, or values like um, no room for ordinary. Uh, why? Because ordinary isn't magical. Yeah? Or uh, experience is everything. Why? Because most of the people in the uh, organization, we had 5,000. 1,000 of them were in sales. Yeah? Uh, and they were selling something called a five-star holiday, which I don't know if anyone who was buying knew the difference between a four-star holiday and a five-star holiday. Yeah? And uh, clearly, but they five's knew the always, difference between Five's always sales. better, right? Uh, except that beyond <laughs> that, I don't know what the difference between five and four is. What, what takes it to five? Um, yeah, right. Uh, but, but I understand experiences. And the other 4,000 people were those running the results, uh, the timeshare results. And every time I talked about experiences, uh, they said, yeah, yeah, we know how to do that. Just give us more inches, more inches of TV, more inches of mattress. Oh, and right. so we need, you know, I need to get them back to experience. So we had those. And Oh, you know, at the head office, they made enormous things. Yeah, they, they look like fancy stuff that we had put together. But the thought in my head was, however, do you get people across the country with so many languages to really get the essence of, let's say, no room for ordinary? And I had no idea. Um, people told me about workshops to run. That's what I did. I also did the usual, you know, printed T-shirts, coffee mugs, and screen savers and mouse pads and like you would imagine, none of that worked. And I had got into my, this space in my head, even though I had, I was told by my boss, I had nothing to do with it. I was the marketing and strategy guy. Yeah, it was the HR problem, right? And, uh, but I was like, however do you figure out um, how to, you know, take the thing which is abstract. And I don't know what I searched on Google, Sean, uh, I landed up on a blog you had written, yeah? And uh, you had written in that blog that the best way to convert something abstract into something concrete was through a story. And I said, yeah, that makes sense, but I'm in business. I mean, how can I do storytelling? Yeah, right. Uh, but I did, you know, I went and tried out uh, the website. Um, I still wasn't really very clear how this works. Uh, By the I way, we for, weren't very, I'm sure back then we weren't very clear either, I see, so. <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, you know, the website then was almost designed for someone we, you had probably had a conversation with already. 
uh, yeah. and and this was really additional material. But anyway, I signed up for an anecdotally, which still remains uh, one of the newsletters I still look forward to every week, and um, and I got a update uh, from the ID of Mark Schenk saying that there would be a workshop uh, for storytelling for leaders in 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 Gurgaon near Delhi, and uh, I wrote back immediately said I'd like to attend, but are you going to cover this problem? Yeah, my problem is that I'm trying to figure out how do we convert our abstract values into something concrete. And Mark wrote back saying, oh, well, we don't really cover that fully in this course, but we are happy to run an additional program, um, you know, on, on narrative techniques, yeah, uh, if you'd like. And so I said, you yeah, know, that, that'd be great. Um, and as, as luck would have it, um, it wasn't, I would say, very remunerative for you guys, but it was fantastic for me that I landed up in a workshop run. I think you guys together would have run very few workshops. Yeah, together. yeah very few. Yeah. And the one, the two days in Delhi or near Gurgaon was one of the rare ones. And I don't think you would have run a workshop for two people. Yeah. So that's what finally it landed up, right? There were two people <laughs> in the room and two, two of you. And I was never a, you know, I was attentive in all my classes in, in school and college and university, but I wasn't the ask a hundred questions guy. Uh, but in that workshop I was, yeah, because I had gone in with a problem. And I remember what you essentially told me, and I'm gonna paraphrase it here, is that don't try to explain an abstract, an abstract English word with multiple more English words. Yeah? which is what most companies would do. You know, you write down the value and you write down a lot of words that try to explain the value. And so you taught me about saying, you know, go ahead across your company and collect examples, collect stories uh, of what people think is that value in action. And uh, when you come back, you will see that 60% uh, or more of those stories are incorrect. People don't understand that value, but you'll find 20, 30%, which are absolutely what you're looking for. And then you do two things. One is train your leaders to be storytellers. And two is change all the processes in the company where you talk about or try to bring in the values uh, understanding, which is the induction program, any pre-placement talk at universities, town hall, and replace them with storytelling. Yeah. So, it, so sounds like you could, it sounds like you could deliver this program now, uh, I see. Uh, the Narrative <laughs> Insights program. But tell me, uh, you know, you obviously got into that space i know mark actually mark and i were chatting the other day about um you know one of the, one of the if you like um i guess very minor superpowers uh, we think we might have is our ability to uh, easily spot stories right to sort of say that's a story that's not a story and and we were trying to work out like how, how do we develop this because so, you know for some people it's a bit hard to to get they don't see the difference but we, because we started off collecting stories, didn't we, Mark? I mean, we must we must have collected I don't know thousands of stories oh, over many, our career, many thousands. Yeah, and and so we've been immersed in stories, you know, and and so you sort of just you get the grammar by immersion as opposed to you know trying to work out the rules, um, and and have built that ability. But um, do you remember, Mark, the first? sort of story collection activity you ever did? Oh, 
Was it a DMO project? Well, that was the, the first one. That was the first one we did uh, uh, jointly. Uh, right. Uh, and that was, and, you know, that was that was classic, wasn't it? Oh, that was because they did a survey, and there was they got lots of data, uh, which was interesting but not very insightful. You know, sixty-seven of pe- percent of people did this, and forty-two percent of people agreed with that. And um, but then, I, I'm sure you remember the day when we conducted our first set of anecdote circles, and we finished the day. I think we'd each conducted maybe three. Uh, sessions during the course of the day and we were sitting uh, uh, outside it was a lovely afternoon we were at uh, uh, on St Kilda Road there having a having a beer discussing what happened and the guys they'd also been doing structured interviews and the interview guys came over and said oh so yeah we compared notes and uh, so uh, they were describing how they found the organization because uh, we're occupational health and safety and they were going oh yeah look it's pretty much like the survey said everyone's pretty happy with things where orders and instructions are all kept up to date. People, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember you and I just looking at each other going, were we in the same organization as you? Because we'd been collecting people's experiences and, and just tiny little things were so insightful. Like uh, I remember one of them was the, uh, we've got a rule that says we're only allowed to uh, make one trip to the remote site each day. And so like every day, this morning's no example. Um, I drive the truck to the site. It's overloaded by weight and volume because we're only allowed to make one trip. And so we make this really unsafe decision every day. And there were just so many everyday experiences like that. Yeah, 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 that's right. And you know what the power of that uh, of stories, one more, I'm just going to digress from that, is I know the other two. Having read this seven years ago, yeah, um, I know one where... Uh, you found someone who was using a, a eyeglass uh, because someone had injured the eye, but were not using the footwear protector because no one had injured a foot. Yeah, or or the the mm, the water purification system, uh, which was not working. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and so yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But let's turn it back into value. You know, values, right? So if that's the technique collect the stories, you know, make sense of them, um, give ex- you know, real-life examples to bring things to life. Uh, what, what have you seen? What, what would you say is a, I see as the sort of general approach? If you, want to, if, you were to, uh, if you were asked by a customer, okay, I want to use a narrative technique to actually amplify and embed, you know, what would be your short sort of answer to that? So... Two parts. One is how do we go about it, which is we start by going across the organization. And this means across geographies, functions and levels and try and collect examples of what people think is that value in action. Yeah. And, you know, the amount of time that people are surprised with what they hear back yeah, on, on words. So I'll give you two examples of a company that um, I had worked with. It's a giant uh, global pharmaceutical company. And, um, uh, they had four uh, sort of values, two of which uh, they thought were more difficult uh, to explain and two were more easy. I'll take one of each. So they thought transparency might be difficult, whereas respect would be easy. Yeah? And so I said, if you think that respect is easy, can, I, um, can, I, can you humor me and ask one of your employees to come in? And so uh, I got actually two people from two levels come in and uh, I didn't want to embarrass them by saying, what are your values? So I said, 
you know that your values are A, B, C, D, and one of that is respect. Have you ever seen respect in this organization? And so this guy says, um, he's the more junior guy. He says, yes, sir. It's happened to me last year. I said, give me, an ex- give me the example. And he says, uh, you see, I finished my target in week, week 50 yeah, versus week 52. And my boss's boss called me and congratulated me. He treated me with so much respect. Now the boss did a good thing, but that's recognition. Yeah. Um, I turned over across to, uh, to, the, to a lady who was a little senior. And I asked her the same question. Have you ever seen respect in this company? And I'll not, never forget because uh, it got very emotional. She had you know, teary eyed and she said, sir, the reason I will never quit this company is because of respect. So I said, what happened? And she says, you know, two years ago, um, I suddenly lost my father. He was just in his fifties. Uh, I'm, I'm the only daughter. My mother was distraught. And um, I asked my, uh, my supervisor, uh, to allow me to work from home for two days. Uh, he said, yes, but my colleagues would hear nothing of it. They said, you're not coming back to work for seven days. They took away my laptop. They called each of my doctors and said, you know, any problem, call us, don't bother her. Yeah? They treated me with so much respect during that time that I can never forget it and I'll never leave this company. Now, those colleagues did a great thing, but that's, that's empathy. That's caring. That's not respect. And so, but hang in there, I see. Hang in there. I have to jump in there. See, you're telling them what it's supposed to mean. I mean, um, it's sort of like you're getting the the story going. No, no, that's not respect. This is something. No, no, I didn't say anything. Come on, I I I say this. It sounds like you're trying to interpret their stories for them. No, I didn't. (laughs) I just heard their stories. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that. So I, I did this. I didn't say anything. I just heard those stories and I looked at the the CEO who was there. So I said, what does that sound like to you? Is that what you wanted when you said respect? Is that what you're trying to drive? And he said, no, no, I didn't interpret it. I left it to (laughs) them to interpret. Um, And and so I said, the best way, like you asked me, is to go across the company and collect examples. And sure enough, you'll get both kinds of examples, which is ones that are not right. And ones that are, and let me give you two, because one of them was hilarious. So, uh, this is the back in, Cal- I went to Calcutta and uh, I'm meeting this group of people and doing uh, what we call anecdote circles, which are group discussions designed to elicit stories. And um, which is one of the things we teach in our, in our uh, workshop of how do you uh, story listen? How do you get people to tell you stories? And so I use those techniques. And one of these guys says, yes, sir, I'll tell you about transparency. I've been in this organization for 20 years. For the first time, I've met a brand manager who is completely transparent. So I said, okay, what does he do? He said, sir, for 20 years, every almost quarter, a new brand manager from our head office has come and done product detailing. Yeah, what are the new molecules? What are the new, uh, you know, uh, medicines? I have never understood any of it. For the first time, this brand manager is so transparent that I understand everything. And you know, I didn't say anything. We don't pass judgments on. I said thank you for the story and moved on. But clearly, uh, that is not what that company had in mind when it put transparency as one of those values. No, yeah. no, uh, that's that right. is clarity that's, of communication. That's a lovely thing about that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and so then, true. What's the other? What's the I other get, example? Yeah, yeah. So then I get a story from this guy who uh, uh, tells me that he's just been promoted from a small uh, little town uh, to Bombay. And he says, sir, in that small town, I rarely met my targets. But one, one quarter when the data came in, I saw, 
I had met my target and I was pretty surprised. So I opened the data and I, I saw that I had sold an enormous amount of medicine X uh, and that's not possible. So I said, why is it not possible? He says, so medic medicine X is given for post-operative care of the ear canal. So if someone has had a ear operation, then for post-operative care, medicine X is given. In my town, we don't even have a ENT, ear, nose, throat specialist. Forget a surgeon. How am I selling so much of uh, medicine X? Um, and so I, I looked at the data and I found that most of the sales had happened from one locality. I went and met the, uh, you know, the medicine outlets, the pharmacies there, and they told me that all the prescriptions that they had serviced on medicine X had come from one doctor. And the funny thing, sir, that doctor is not even in my call list. So I go to, I find the doctor's chamber, I put, give my card and when he calls me in, I thank him for supporting our company and I ask him, doctor, under what uh, uh, circumstances, or under what uh, sort of symptoms do you uh, prescribe medicine X? And so he says, you know, when someone has a earache in this part of the year, um, I, I give them antibiotic A. If it doesn't work, I give them medicine X. He says, but which colleague of mine told you that that's the right sequence. Um, uh, I didn't see your name in any of our seminars. Uh, how did you come to this conclusion? He said, no, 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 that's not how it happened. So I said, how did it happen? He said, you see, I had a patient who had a very bad earache. I gave him antibiotic A, it didn't work. He was in pain. I repeated antibiotic A, didn't work. So I said, you better go to Mumbai and doc, uh, meet Dr. Ishmael Sheikh. So he said, so you mean the, uh, the ENT surgeon? He said, I don't know if he's a surgeon, he's a good doctor. He said, okay, then what happened? He said, then a month later, I saw this patient at the bus stop. So I walked up to him and said, how are you? And he says, I'm fine. Said, so what medicine doc did Dr. Sheikh give you? He said, I have no clue, but I'll give you the prescription. And the prescription said Zemetric, or sorry, Medicine X. And so I said, uh, doctor, I'm so sorry, uh, but you should have asked a little more question. I have no clue what that patient was suffering from, but I can guarantee he had a year operation. And this uh, medicine was only given to for post-operative care. It is not for what you're talking about. In fact, it has these, these side effects. My request to you, doctor, is please don't prescribe this medicine anymore. And I'm sorry, but our company doesn't have a medicine for this uh, uh, sort of symptom. And then he pauses and tells me, and sir, after that, I've never met my targets again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a and what a, a serendipitous story improvement of, there. Yeah, and but what a powerful story of transparency, right? Um, and so that's what we would I would tell um, mm. tell a client that you collect stories that you take out the stories that don't are not about what you mean, but select the stories that actually mean what you what you want to say. Yeah, I find I find it interesting um, when I'm in an organisation, and you know, and I'll and I'll ask people, oh, you know, give me an example of uh, like transparency, and they're just blank. They're just looking at you like, I've got nothing. I can't think of a single one. That's when I know for sure that the the value is not stuck in their organisation. There's no experience uh, of it. Uh, I mean, Mark, you must have hit similar things or you know we, oh, we yeah yeah what you know the one of my oh, running a leadership program the leaders had this really passionate discussion about the importance of the values 
And I then said, okay, grab a piece of paper and write down what they are. And there was five values and, and a lot of them got zero out of five. Zero. zero. Were they making it up or were they, like, were they, did they come up with words? Yeah, yeah, they, or, they all came or up with Or they were just five. going blank. They all came up with five, but most right. of them, and it's like many of them got zero. No wow. one got five. And anyway, but they had a very passionate discussion. So there's a big difference between having them and actually bring them to life. I'd just like to, one of my favorite value stories uh, was when I was doing a, a project with, uh, with one of the universities and the, the, the head librarian uh, said, ah, yes, my husband's an investment banker and yeah, in one of the big investment banks in Sydney and the, the managing director called a meeting. And uh, so nine o'clock on a Monday morning, uh, a two hour meeting to discuss our values. And the, uh, apparently it's the, you know, the managing director, very type A personality, gets in there, says, all right, we're going to talk about our values because it's really important that we talk about our values. So let's go. And apparently after about 15 minutes, he's kind of tapping the table. His fingers were drumming the table. And half an hour, he's jigging up and down and getting all, after 40 minutes, he slammed his hand on the table and said, stuff this, let's go and make some money. <laughs> that's the true value you see he's just uh, he's just giving it away <laughs> absolutely yeah values and action yeah. yeah yeah that's a good one so you know we talked about anecdotes you sort of raised the the topic of anecdote circles i see and uh you know it's our favorite way of collecting stories i was just wondering between the three of us it'd be nice just to hear maybe one like if you were to give one tip on how to elicit stories from people you know what would you get? What would you suggest? And uh, and I'm going to throw it actually to IC first. What, what's your what's your top tip for anecdote circles, man? Okay, I'll, I'll give you two. First is no, 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 no. You can't have two. The rule, there rules here. I see, because Mark okay, has to have one, and you might take it up. Okay, okay. In which case, I'll say go to the anecdote.com website and download the book, which teaches you everything of anecdote. No. An <laughs> okay, you can have a second one. What's what would you actually do? Like, what's your favorite go-to method? Uh, it's it's give me an example. So listen to that guy's opinion because people will come up with saying, you know, this is what that value is, and we go on and on. It's very important, etc. So give, give me an example when you saw that happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. A, it's so a very simple my... idea, isn't it? And you do get some powerful stories that way. Fantastic. What about you, Mark? What what's your uh, I want it. I want two. No, you're not getting two. I'm just, I told you what the rules were. So uh, very, uh, very simple. Be genuinely interested. Yeah, right. That's so, yeah, that's true, isn't it? You know, how do you, how do you do that? How do you, do you fake interestedness or? No, you just, you, you, like for me, like organizations are really interesting places and yeah. just, being interested in what they have to say, like generally accepting that these people have an absolutely valid perspective that's important for, for the organization to understand and actually caring about it. Yeah. I t yeah, it's so interesting. Like I find that, you know, when people uh, first start out, they tend to give you these high level stories. And if you show interest, it's almost like they go, oh, see, so you, you want to know the full story. Right, because yeah. you're going, you're asking little questions, and and so they drop down into the you're getting the full 
the you know the full skinny on on what's happening here um, because you're clearly interested. So yeah, because yeah, you're going like oh so what happened? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, and like, oh oh you actually are interested. Sure, I'll tell you more. One of my what about my your favourites? Well, my fa- one of my favourite things is when people get stuck. You know, it's every now and then you get your anecdote circle and for some reason they get stuck. Often it's with very technical people, engineers, et cetera. And I find that if I have a, I always make sure I have a bit of a whiteboard handy or even just a, an A4 sheet of paper and, and I draw a timeline and I say to people, yeah, look, don't worry about, you know, the examples, but just tell me, you know, along this timeline, what were the big things that happened? You know, and you're part of the organisation, and I'll say, oh, um, in in you know, just uh, in beginning of 2018, we had the new CEO uh, come in. Okay, okay, new CEO. Remember, we tried to put in SAP uh, just after that. Uh, oh my God, what a disaster! Oh, okay. So, and just by putting that little timeline, they start to mark turning points, if you like, and all you have to do is say, oh, well, tell me what happened there. And next thing you know, you're getting story after story. It's um, it's fascinating, yeah. But my my tip is that my tip. I was going to go for two then. Jeez, oh, break my own rule. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Like, but like uh, I see said the um, we got a pretty good guide on our website on anecdote circles for uh, that would give you the modestly named else. ultimate guide to anecdote circles. Yeah, I know. What were we thinking? Yeah, um, that was a, that was a while ago. Yeah, the. Uh, it's kind of just circling back now to, to, to values. And, uh, you know, we've shared a couple of values uh, s- stories. But as you know, with, with what we're trying to do in this podcast is provide stories that other people can tell, right? And I'm just wondering in your repertoire, I see, is there a, a story that sort of springs to mind that you think uh, other people might be able to tell as a, a way to influence and persuade and inspire? I'm going to see, you know, be in the same space of values and say, what is a story that can persuade and inspire to use this technique? Yeah, because, you know, one of the things that we've always come in from and I came in from is that the story listening or collecting and then sharing is a way to embed values. Yeah, and while that is true, there are two other things that have happened with me uh, and uh, in two situations, which tells me that there is much more to it as well. Yeah. So one of the things that I do when I collect the first round of stories, so let's say I've got a story, uh, you know, about 70 stories on transparency, yeah, or what people in the organization calls transparency. So it happened in this uh, case where I took those stories on transparency back to the boardroom where we had all the senior folks, you know, the entire executive committee. Yeah. And I gave them these stories and I told them that for the next half an hour, just read these stories and on a scale of zero to 10, put down how, um, how appropriate are they for the term transparency, yeah? Half an hour later, I tabulated this um, and I saw that we had a bunch of stories which low averages and low standard deviation, which means most people believed it is not a good story, which was fine. And then there are some which is high average, low standard deviation, great stories. But there were these stories where there were some people in the room who said, you know, it's a, it's a great story on transparency and some other people, no, it's not a great story. And this is the executive committee of the company. And, and we had this 45 minutes discussion 
using stories to clarify where people were and come to a common understanding. Yeah. And so to mm. me, that was uh, an eye opener because if we had asked them without these stories saying, come to an agreement of what you think transparency is, you would have got one person's English paragraph fighting with another person's English paragraph and all prone to interpretation. But because they were using stories, they were able to say, you know, this is because this part of the story is why I think it doesn't work for transparency. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. that was one That's... example that was an aha moment for me. Just um, on that, I mean, um, it's it sort of, sh you know, the stories give you a, a lot of uh, movement in the meaning of what you're talking about in a sense, right? Like, for example, I remember doing a, a project for a telco and they just, like everyone else's, it was going through the whole thing of we're going to put customers at the centre of everything we do, right? And uh, so we went and collected the stories and there was this story about, one of their top sales guys who had just won this multi-million dollar deal. And, uh, and then a week after that he'd won it, he gets a phone call from the customer and the customer says, look, I know I don't, shouldn't be ringing you because you're the, you know, you, you look after the big deals, but I just had this favor to ask and that we want to get a couple of extra telephone lines put in. Can you sort that out? You know, and he went, yeah, of course. I mean, he's just done this big deal. So he goes, yeah, no worries. I got it sorted out. So he rings his internal people and says, look, customer X needs these phone lines. And uh, his own people sort of say, look, because of privacy, we, they have to ring themselves. We can't, we can't put them on, on your behest. And so he hangs up the phone. He rings again. And he says, I'm customer X. Can you put these phone lines on? right? And they put the phone lines on. Well, the executives had to, you know, sort of have that conversation about, is this uh, putting the customer at the center of everything you do? Or is this breaking some of our integrity values? So there was this real interesting conversation about which way they should go. They could never go out and tell people to do this. But in fact, in, in many ways, they wanted their people to do stuff like that. But then you get all this blurring, don't you? It's, it's just so fascinating, I find, uh, how people yeah. use it as a sense-making device, right? And coming to sense-making, I think there's one more uh, thing that I'd say before I uh, finish on that uh, same episode. So there was this another company uh, uh, where, we again, we were doing the same thing, using stories to uh, find, uh, you know, explain values. And... Typically what we do in phase two is after I have gone and collected stories and we have selected and we have broadcasted those stories, I encourage companies to now create a system by which every month they would collect, select and broadcast stories about those values being lived, right? And you know, what are the benefits of doing that? One is of course, uh, it's a great recognition tool for anyone whose story has been selected to be shared. Uh, it is a great peer pressure tool because if every month I'm reading out stories of other people, I want my team to behave. But one more thing that happened, which again was a big insight to me in this particular company where uh, they had these values like, uh, I forget all four, but two of them I remember. One was think, um, uh, walk fast, and another was walk together and some walk something, et cetera. So it clearly basically nicer ways of saying uh, collaboration and teamwork and agility or speed, right? Now, they were, after we finished the first phase, in the second phase, they were getting a lot of stories on three things, yeah? 
But on walk fast, they were not getting enough stories. So um, I was still engaged. So I said, you know, let me do one thing. Let me just go back and uh, run a few more anecdote circles to find what is blocking uh, walk fast. And we had planned out, you know, four, four metros, this, that. One uh, group in Bombay itself, and we had our answer. What, uh, this, this was an insurance company. And what the team told me is that, you see, we understand what walk fast is. Walk fast in our company is to turn around a new policy application fast and to turn around a claim fast, right? But you've got to understand that we are a regulated uh, industry and compliance is an extremely important thing. Our CEO every quarter town hall talks about walk fast. Our boss every day talks about compliance. Yeah, And compliance is about ticking all the boxes. However, can I walk fast if I have to tick all the boxes? You know, which is checking if the photograph given by the, the new client is, is correct, is the a number in the social security or in our case, it's called the Aadhaar card, the same as in the form. Yeah, And clearly they had a bottleneck and I must give it to that uh, management. Over the next two years, they have used machine learning and AI and stuff like that to actually make that process far more simple to be done automated rather than just manual, thereby opening the bottleneck. So to me, what happens with this story collection bit is if you're not getting enough stories, uh, then clearly you need to do a little more. Now, why do you have those values? Because as an organization, you've believed that if people live those values, you'll be able to deliver what you've come here to deliver, right? And so it's like a good a lead indicator that things are not working as well. Yeah, when you don't get enough stories and then you find out what's blocking that. Yeah, I reckon values are a way to speed decision-making, isn't it? I mean, if you can quickly say, yes, we'll do that because it, it aligns with our values or no, we won't because it doesn't, that's certainly got to speed things up, doesn't it? You know, it, otherwise you're sort of going around, uh, around, around in circles trying to work things out. Um, yeah, I what about you, man? Just- uh, earlier this year, I was uh, having a conversation with a couple of our team and uh, there was a decision that had to be made and there was much discussion. I said, ah, let's just lay our values out on the table. Uh, so uh, uh, do good things, have a go, take care of each other. Within maybe three minutes, it's like, oh, okay, well, that's pretty obvious. We need to do X. Yeah, exactly. And really accelerated the decision-making process and we made a really good decision and we knew why we'd made it, which was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Very good. The um, Yeah, look, I think in this series, we'll be talking even more about this whole space of, uh, you know, some people call it narrative insight, narrative inquiry, uh, story, story listening, listening is another sort of phrase for it. And it's, it's sort of part of the triumvirate of story work techniques that, you know, we have out there available to us. Uh, you know, a lot of us spend you know, especially our industry, I would say our industry spends 99% of its time in storytelling. But as, you know, we sort of illustrated in this conversation, a lot of it, a lot of the power uh, that you can really deliver in this area is comes from story listening, not storytelling, right? You got to get that balance. The third element, of course, is, is something that doesn't get talked about much either, uh, we call it story triggering. I'm seeing some others uh, saying things like story doing, um, which, which I think story, is the same as story showing. 
story showing right yeah, yeah. so uh which I, I don't know is that is that story triggering do you think mark i don't know um you don't know either. Uh, I, 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 I don't want. I don't want to start. It's just for me. It's just. It's. It's garbage. It's just okay. somebody trying to brand themselves differently, and um, yeah. it's even you know story showing and story doing. Most of them don't use story at all. They just talk about it in a different way. Yeah. So I just you know this just to use this morning. This morning I was on LinkedIn and, and there was an article by someone who had written an article on the importance of storytelling. And um, yeah, I quickly zipped through it and, and there was not a single story in this storytelling article. And I, I even started writing, you know, a comment. I said, well, you know, people who are proponents of storytelling really should at least tell one story. You know, it's not hard to do. And I was going to put a little story in my comment just to show that you can even do it in a comment. And I, I'd written it all out and I went, ah, Sean, you're looking like a bit of a dick. So I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> But it does. It gets to that point where you know you at least get this far as writing the, the actual comment. Um, good. Now, now in terms of um, uh, where to next, where you, where I'm just I'm just, I'd love to get your thoughts. I see on where you think uh, you know this space is going. Are you seeing companies starting to use uh, more and more the the techniques around you know, story um, you know story listening in their in their projects? I think, you know, when you get them to be aware of this, then it seems like, oh my God, why didn't you do it earlier? Uh, but right. I think that bit is still required, which is to go and, they, are they struggling with this area? Yes, they are. Uh, do they know that story could be a great way to do it? Some people have, but as you rightly said, uh, we, I've met companies who say, oh, we, we, we've been doing this. Yeah, we've got this hundred story. And I said, can you give me a copy of that? And I'm reading, I'm into the 50th, sort of paragraph and I still can't find a story. Yeah, and so that is what, uh, that I think is, is what we yeah. need to educate them on to what is a story and how is it so powerful? Yeah, we're still in the, I, in the I, early I'm, stages, I'm very aren't excited we? about the future. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably a good time for us to, to, to wrap things up. Um, I wanna just remind people to go and check out that corporate storytelling article because it sort of just gives you that uh, you know, first foot in the door, if you like, in terms of understanding the, all the possibilities associated with, um, uh, you know, how you can apply story techniques in organisational uh, settings. Um, and, you know, of course, you'll sort of see the, the section there on values. And, um, yeah, and please feel free to, you know, sort of get out there and share it and, uh, you know, have, have some conversations around it. I think that's probably even better if you can just... Uh, you know, sort of get a few colleagues around a table and, and start to, you know, talk about how this could actually work in, in real life. I think that would make all the difference. Um, right. Well, thanks for listening to us. Thanks for coming along to Anecdotally Speaking. And, thank, and thanks so much for, thanks so much uh, to IC for joining us today and uh, sharing yeah. all of those experiences around values because it's a terrific application of, uh, of story. Yeah. That's good. Thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm so excited about every time I go and listen to stories of what the possibilities are. Fantastic. Okay, guys, well, all the best and uh, tune in next week for a, another episode of How to Put Your Stories to Work. Bye for now.
Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from Author to Audio. Mm-hmm.